Good morning. Can we show the youth group love for doing a great job with the worship this morning? I believe that the life's breath of any entity, business, uh, ministry, whatever, is in the vitality of the youth. And if there's strength in your youth, then you know the, the Lord's doing something. And there's certainly a strong youth base uh, at our at our church. So I'm I'm just so excited. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited for what the Lord's already done here this morning. Amen. And He's just going to continue. Are you ready to receive this morning? Are you ready to receive? Would you stand this morning? We're going to get right into our scripture. I believe the Lord has a lot for us today. <clears throat> Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, but on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active today. I thank you for what you've already begun to do here, and I thank you, Lord, that you're going to finish what you set out to accomplish. I ask, Lord, that every word that comes from my mouth that's not of you would fall and be forgotten, but the things, Lord, that you would have for us to hold on today would make change for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just so excited about what the Lord is doing in this place and in our lives, and I'm so thankful for the incredible, powerful message that Pastor Barbie brought last week. And uh, and I love what the Lord is doing, and I love how He connects things. I love how He flows and how He takes us from one moment to the next moment to the next moment to the next moment by His grace. And so all I see today is just a continuation of what perhaps was started last week with Pastor Barbie and, and even from the following week and from the week before that and what the Lord continues to uh, do in our lives. Do you know that His ultimate goal, God's ultimate goal is to make you like His Son? His ultimate goal is for you to become more and more like Jesus. I was talking to somebody just recently in our youth group and they were talking about, I want to know what God's calling is in my life. And there are some things that I really want to do. And there's some things that I feel like I need to do. And I looked at them and I said, you know, there's not a whole lot that God needs you to do. 
In fact, I don't know of anything that the Lord needs me to do, but he chooses me to do things. And being in a place where you're needed and being in a place where you're chosen, those are two different places. And man, what a wonderful place to be when he chooses you to do things. Uh, The Lord has chosen you to do some incredible things. The Lord has chosen you uh, to, 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 to be a light in a dark world. He's chosen you to use your giftings and those things that he's called you to do and he's wired you to do. But the question that I have for us this morning as we get into what I feel like the Lord has is, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? I remember I was a part of a... a, a a real uh, a different church uh, when I was growing up. And if, had we had this block of scripture to, uh, as the morning message, there is a line in there that says, because of these things, God's wrath is coming. And the entire 45 minutes would have been about God's wrath. And it would have been about the list of sin. And it would have been going dissecting every bit of the sin and telling you how wrong you were living. And as I've matured in my faith and as I've grown and as I've walked with the Lord a little bit, I come to realize that the way that you get people uh, to, to leave away the world of sin and follow Jesus is not by pointing out their flaws and pointing them toward their sin. That's the problem. The focus is the sin, but as you focus them to Christ, as you focus them to hope, as you focus, focus them toward Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is able to do a work in their life, and then the sin becomes uh, identified, right? And then they understand that there's something better out there than what they have right now. There's something better for them than the, cho- the life of sin. And so as you look at the scripture today, Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. And so when he's saying, put all of these things to death, he's talking to believers, which tells me that the believers in the church were struggling with these issues. Tells me that the believers in the church were having these ugly things rear their heads in their lives. And Paul was saying, it's time to put those things to death because that's not where your mind and your heart should be set. It should be set on things above. So I began to ponder these things as I was searching the scripture and I was, I was thinking about what the Lord wanted me to share today. And I started to think, Lord, I understand you want me to put these things to death. But if I'm honest before you right now, as a believer, there are times when these things on this list sometimes rear their ugly head in my life and they seem like they have life and they seem like they have dominance in me in areas where then I become injured, snared, and captured, right? And I begin to walk in these places and I say, Lord, if these things are supposed to be dead in my life, how come do I stumble upon moments in my life where these things seem to come alive? again? Why do I have to wrestle with some of these things if they're supposed to be dead? And so the Lord began to, to, to stir in me some thoughts and some things. And so immediately my mind went, well, of course, the way that we put these things to death is we form accountability partners. Or we go to, we get books, right, from the bookstore, and it talks about self-help on, on how, and maybe even Christian bookstores. You go into the Christian bookstore and they'll have a whole section on, you know, temptation or lust or and then you want to you know you want to sandwich that book in between two righteous books because you wouldn't want anybody to know you were struggling with that you know and when you get up there you say you know I'm a youth pastor I got some youth that are struggling with this I want to pay for this but really it's for you right I'm just kidding okay well nobody got that well um, maybe just me I'm just so flawed and messed up but I you know As you're going through and you're looking at tools that you can use to put these things to death, the Lord said, that's the problem. 
The problem is is that you're trying to put to death something that I've already overcome. You're trying to put to death something that's already dead. Your focus is trying to put those things to death as opposed to redirecting those energies toward Jesus, redirecting those energies toward him. And as you become hidden in Christ, as you put your focus on him and you pursue him, then what happens through that is you begin to know who you are. The secret to putting to death that former way of life is immersing yourself in the knowledge of who you are truly. And the only way that you can know who you are truly is by being hidden in Christ, by pursuing him, by looking at him. God has a lot to say about who you are. He has a lot to say about who we are and what he wants to do in us. And so what we tend to do is we tend to get into this patterns of, of sin. And like Barbie was speaking last week, and when he gets us to the, when the enemy gets us to a stage of being captured, we have gotten to a place where we have taken on the persona of our sin in the world. We have taken that mask and we put it on and we say, this is who I am. And that is a lie. And the enemy wants us to believe that lie. And so we stay in that captured state. We stay in that mindset and we can't really. And that is when she was talking about last week and that boy that was laying on the bridge and all these people around screaming, God hates you. And all these things, you start to buy into all of those lies because you're wearing the outfit. You might as well buy into the lie. And so we get into this state and we don't really know how to plug out of it. But you see, uh, we, we are told in scripture that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so when we go back to those places of sin, when we go back to those things that we used to be, see, scripture says that's how we used to be. That's, that's what we, that's how we used to live. It's not how we live now. When we go back, it's as if we have these shackles and these chains and we pick them up and we put them on ourselves. But the only reason that they're sticking, the only reason they're staying is because we put them on. They can easily come, they can come off as easily as we put them on because they're not, we're not bound by those things anymore. But here's what happens. Our former selves and that world of sin is far more familiar to us than he. And what we have to do is we have to reverse that. He has to become more familiar to us than our sin. He has to become more familiar to us than that old way of life. He has to become more familiar to us so that whenever we get stuck in a place, we're not, when we say we revert to our familiar ways, we're reverting to truth. We're reverting to life. We're reverting to him. Because he's far more familiar to us than the other. Amen? And so, who are you? Do you know who you are? So many times in life we get stuck in these patterns and we take on other identity, other sin patterns, tell us that we are someone we're not. We buy into the lie that people say that we're not. If you're a young person in this room, if you're in the youth group or a young adult, You've spent the majority of your life trying to measure up to a worldly standard. And God says, I want you to break that yardstick. It's time to give up trying to measure up because you're never going to measure up. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But as you as you cling to the cross of Jesus Christ, as you cling on to him and as you run to him with full force, he's going to he's going to make some things explode in your life that you never thought would be possible. All of those gifts and dreams that you thought one day would come to pass, those will start to take root and they'll start to blossom and God will use you in those things. 
but you got to lay down the yardstick. You got to stop looking at everyone else. You got to stop looking at your former way of life. And you got to stop looking at the mistakes of your parents and saying that that's who you are. Oh, yeah, we're about to have church. <clears throat> this is a Reese's. And this is a Snickers. How many in here like Reese's? Can I get an amen? How many like Snickers? Can I get a hallelujah? Thank you, Jesus, for Snickers and Reese's. This is a Reese's. Uh, this is not a Reese's. This is a Snickers. This is a Snickers. The label on the package says Snickers. The product inside this package is a Snickers. If I take this Snickers and I put it in this bag of Reese's and I shake it up, at the end of the day, this is still a Snickers and this is still a Reese's. If I take two of these Reese's and I sandwich it in between these Snick uh, the Snickers in between these Reese's, and this Snickers runs alongside these Reese's all day long. At the end of the day, this is still a, and this is still a. If this Snickers puts on the wrapper of the Reese's, and dresses itself in all the Reesey glory <laughs> and parades itself around all day in the orange Reese's paper. At the end of the day, this is still a... And this is still a... If the Snickers takes off its clothes... And the Snickers rubs up against the Reese's. And the Reese's peanut butter is all over this Snickers bar. At the end of the day, this is still, and this is still a. Some of us are running with people. Some of us are dressing like people. And some of us are rubbing up against people. And you don't understand that that's not who you are. You are who you are. You are who you are. And my question to you today is, do you know who you are? Because let me tell you, there's a lot the world has to say about you, but there's far more that the God has to say about you. And so do you know who you are? And one of the things that I realized in, as, I was, as I was pursuing the Lord and trying to figure out what to share today and all of this, and he was saying, they need to know, you need to know who you are. And the only way that you can know who you are is by knowing who I am, says the Lord. The only way that you can truly know who you are is by knowing who he is. The Lord gave me a dream, and I've shared this before, I'm going to share it again. And I was, uh, I was in a in the backyard and I was going through a, uh, there was a shed out there and I heard somebody out there working in this shed. And as I walked into the shed in this dream, I looked over and this, this woodsmith man was, he was working on these statues. 
And I looked over him and he, uh, and he looked at me and I, you know, I, I, didn't really, I didn't really pay him much mind because I looked over and I saw this statue and I go up to this statue and I was just mesmerized by this statue. Because every intricate detail of this statue was absolutely beautiful. Everything that the woodsmith had decided to do with this particular statue was absolutely breathtaking. And I would stare at it, and I would just be completely taken aback by how wonderful and beautiful this was. As I would walk around the statue, I would find new things, new, unique properties, new and unique carvings and design. And I would look at it, and I would just be beside myself at how beautiful it was. And all of a sudden, I would look over, and right next to it was another statue. And this statue would be even better than the one before. And I would stop and I would take time to examine it carefully because there was so much. It was so rich and it was so wonderful. And I would look at it and I would look at all of the detail, the fine detail. And then I would see another one and another and another. And I was overwhelmed by how beautiful all of these statues were. And as I would continue to look, I would begin to realize that these statues as beautiful and wonderful as they were, they represented people who were in my life. They were my friends. They were my family. They were significant pastors and elders in my life. They were people that meant something to me. And I would, I would just get so excited because I saw how beautiful and how wonderful they were. And all of a sudden inside me rose this curiosity that it, amongst all this beauty and all of this wonder, I, I wanted to know, where am I? Where, where's my statue? Because, man, I, I've got to be somewhere. I'm probably not as, as wonderful, and, and there's probably not as much detail to me as there is all these wonderful people, but I know I've got to be here somewhere. So I go over to the table where he's working, and I look at him, and I say, where's mine? Where's, where's my statue? Where, where am I at? And so he sets down his tool, and he takes his arm, and he points over to a corner. And so I, took, I look at his finger where he's pointing, and I start to jet over there. As I jet over there, I'm passing these, these larger-than-life statues. They just got bigger and more significant. And the closer I got to finding myself, the more beautiful the statues would become, the more prominent the people in my life would become, the more distracted I became by everybody else and what they had to offer and, 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 and what was a part of their, their life and their being. And so all of this excitement and joy soon turned into frustration because as I was overlooking for myself, I could not find me. I was seeing everything else and I was immersed in this world of absolute gorgeous beauty, but I could not find myself. And so out of frustration and out of anger, I went back and I go back to the table and I slam the table and I say, where am I? And the woodsmith put down his tool. And he takes his hand and he points in the same direction. This time, I'm much more careful to follow his arm and his finger to make sure that I'm going in the direction I'm supposed to go. And as I follow his arm in the direction of the corner to which he is pointing, all of a sudden, everybody else didn't really matter to me because I was in a state of frustration and chaos trying to find who I was. And so I get to the place where he's pointing and it's in this corner that I look down and I discover that there is this small, little, wooden wastebasket. And I stare at it. 
And I bend down and I pick it up and I turn around and with tears in my eyes, I walk back to the table and I put this wastebasket on the table and I look at him and I say, wastebasket? Of all the people in my life, of all the time and intricate detail that you spent creating all of these wonderful, magnificent people in my life, I am a wastebasket to you. And there I sobbed. And he set down his tool. And on the table with which he was working, every time he made something, there would be shavings and there would be broken pieces and there would be a bunch of uh, extra wood pieces that would be laying around. And he took that wastebasket and he took his arm and he scooped everything on that table into that wastebasket. And then he plowed it down right in front of me and he looked me eyeball to eyeball and he said, you see wastebasket, I see refuge for broken and misplaced people. And I just wept. Because in that moment, all of that time when I was trying to find myself, I was comparing myself to everybody else, but I didn't understand the significance of who I was. And sometimes your significance, a lot of the time, who you're supposed to be isn't going to look like anybody else. He's got something special for you, but it took me getting in his presence and hearing from him to understand who I was. You've got to know who he is to know who you are. And when you know who you are, then you can set your mind and your heart on things above. You can be hidden in Christ and all of that other stuff will be put to death. Are you with me? Would you put that first picture up, please? This is my daughter, Ruby. Ruby is incredible. She is kind. She is patient. She is sweet. She is gorgeous. Go ahead to the next picture. This is Lucia. She's a stinker. (laughs) But she's adorable. She's ambitious. She's thoughtful. She's kind. She shares. Go ahead to the next one. This is Hadassah. Hadassah is fun. She's great. She's a leader. She's strong. She's sensitive. Go ahead to the next picture. These are my daughters. And I, as a father, I have a lot to say about my daughters. I have a lot of truth to speak about my daughters. But I'm going to tell you something. If they don't touch me, if they don't feel me, if they don't spend time with me, if they don't know who I am as their father, if they don't experience me, then the gravity of what I say doesn't weigh much on their lives. The gravity of what I say, if I'm not in their life, rivals what the world has to say. Guys, if you're not in the presence of your father, then the world will rival what he says and you will buy into what it says about you. And so I try my best as a flawed father to speak life and words of life into my daughters. 
As a dad who messes up so many times and misses the boat so many times, I try my best to speak into their lives. And the Lord started to minister to me and he said, you know what, there's one more ingredient that's needed for them to grow up and be everything that they're supposed to be, for them to grow up and know exactly who they're supposed to be. There's one more thing that I have to do because I'm flawed, and that's this. They need to, see, they need to hear everything I say, but they also need to see me like this. Because as a dad, if I can take the posture of surrender, then not only are they hearing the truth about their lives, but they're looking by far past me and they're looking into the eyes of their creator. They're looking into the eyes of their father. Do you know who you are? Dads in this place, I want to speak to you for just one moment. If you are a father by blood, or somebody considers you a spiritual dad in this place, I'd like you to come down to the altar real quick. If you're a dad by blood, or you're a spiritual father to someone, would you come down to the altar? Worship team can come on out. I don't want to diminish in any regard or respect the role that the women play in the kingdom because let me tell you, there is some high calling, but there's something, a shift that happens when the men of God stand up and take their place. And you men in this room, and I know that you know it, but you are flawed and you have made mistakes. But that's not the truth about who you are. God loves you and he has created you and he has appointed you for fantastic, wonderful, incredible things. And the kids that are behind you, and I'm going to even include my kids in this because you, don't, you might not know this, but in the kingdom, you're actually a father to a lot more than those who are blood related to you. There are people who are looking at you and your leadership There are some kids in this place whose fathers in the flesh have abandoned them, aren't present, and they're looking for somebody to take that spot. And so you're in a leadership role. And sometimes as men, me being, gosh, the first candidate, my pride rises up inside me and I get so much, you know, I I don't want people to know where I'm weak or I don't want people to know where I'm not strong. And so sometimes I can just step above it and beyond it and just continue to move forward. But I'm going to tell you something. If the men, if the fathers, because the father's voice is so powerful. Did you know at the beginning of time when everything was in a state of chaos, the father God just looked at all of what was and he said, stop, light be. And it brought complete order. And I'm just getting started. I've ministered to youth. I've seen things spin out of control. And I just know that there's maybe times and seasons in my daughter's lives when it just seems like a chaotic mess. And I know that I'm going to feel like I have the answer. I know I'm going to feel like I can say, stop that, do this or whatnot. But what's really needed is they need to see beyond me and they actually need to embrace their father. But your voice is significant. 
Don't forget that. Your voice is significant. You haven't lost your voice. And you haven't messed up as to so far as the Lord hasn't said, I'm done using you. He's not finished with you yet. You're significant. But it takes you getting into a posture of surrender. Because the same God that you're trying to point your kids to is your God as well. He's your God as well. And He's after your heart. And so this is what I I want to ask us to do this morning. I would like, as a united body of fathers, I would like us to take a posture of surrender as we sing this song. And what I'm going to ask the congregation to do who's behind us, I'm going to ask the sons and the daughters to come get behind your dads and pray for them as they surrender to Him as an act of worship, as an act of proclamation that He is our God so that we can get closer and closer to knowing who we are. So dads, if you'll just take whatever that looks like to you, it might be standing there, it might be kneeling, whatever it is, but will you take a posture of surrender and would everybody else stand and if you are a son or a daughter or you represent a son or a daughter for somebody of one of these men, I want you to come up and get behind them. Wives, spouses, you also could come and you can get behind your husband and pray for them. But right now, I want you to come and get behind these men as they surrender to the Lord as a posture and a proclamation of faith. And guys, before we sing, I want you to know who you're surrendering to. So look up here real quick as people are coming. Fathers, look up here. This is who you're surrendering to. I want you to hear. I want you to own this. This is who you're surrendering to, okay? He is love. He is grace. He is mercy. He is expert. He is accomplished, proficient, thorough, and complete. He is utter. He is correct. He is accurate and idea and and, and impeccable, splendid, and superb. He is absolute. He is excelling. He is faultless and immaculate and matchless. He is supreme and unequal, divine and hallowed. He is revered. He is clean. He is innocent and moral and upright and blessed. He is sacred and consecrated and dedicated, devoted, loyal, devout, faithful. He is sincere. He is earnest. He is zealous. He is godly he is just he is spotless he is undefiled he is unworldly he is attentive he is caring he is considerate he is devoted he is generous loyal passionate valuable crucial essential he is favor he is important he is prominent he is your defense he is jealous he is watchful he is observant he is slow to anger he is shelter he is compelling he is dominant he is impressive can i keep going He is influential, he is potent, he is vigorous, he is strong. He is commanding, he is convincing, he is omnipotent, omniscient, paramount and prevailing. He is superior, he is dad, he is father, he is righteous, he is ruling, he is sturdy, he is courageous, he is supreme, he is insightful, he is perspective, he is all-knowing, he is brilliant, and he is clever. This is who you're surrendering to. He is creative, he is sparring, he is merciful, he is understanding and forbearing, responsible, of furious impassion. He is fierce. He is the lion of Judah. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the raging waters. He is alpha. He is omega. He is strong.
strength. He is authentic. He is genuine, definite, exact, factual, solid, strict. He is flawless. He is peace. He is joy. He is gentle. And He is truth. And that's just getting started. You need to know that this is who you're surrendering to because all of these attributes to Him, He wants to lavish on you as dads in the kingdom. All of these things that He is, He wants you to own because you're His kid and you carry His DNA. And so all of these things, He wants to speak life and true. Where the world has spoken something different, He wants to abolish that lie. He wants you to own the truth. So this morning, as we, this afternoon, as we worship him with this song, because he is a good father, we're just going to surrender to him and the people behind us. We're going to look and see our father revealed as we all grasp an understanding and knowing who we are because we know who he is.